I'm not earning that today. Yeah, it's a glorious, that's, this is the, I mean, if I were to, you know, here's the boiled down gospel right here. This is it, is that it's already been done. I'm not trying to earn his favor, his love, his forgiveness, his acceptance, his mercy, and his grace. It's already been done for me through Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God. Amen. 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 And here's the deal is that we're to become what we already are. We've already been declared holy by the work of Jesus Christ. And in the same sentences, Paul would write things like, though we are being sanctified, we're being made holy. Uh, those, I'm sorry, those of us who are holy are being made holy. We're being perfected. And so we're being, we're, we've been declared righteous because of the work of Jesus Christ. And because of that, we're also continuing in our sanctification or, or, or in this pursuit of, of being more pure and more, more whole in Jesus Christ. But it's already been done and declared for us uh, because of what Jesus Christ has done. And, and yet, here's the deal, is that we have experiences like this over and over again where you and I will get, so we'll have some sort of mountaintop experience where we'll come out from and we'll have some time of repentance or something before the Lord and we'll say, Lord, I'm going to do better. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to let go of that sin finally. I'm going to put it to death and I'm going to read my Bible every day and I'm going to pray to you for an hour every day and that lasts for about two weeks. And then we feel bad and we get, feel guilty and then we kind of disappear for a while and people, of course, sometimes walk away from church for a little while or something. But then they come back and they repent and they have this mountaintop experience again and they say, Lord, I'm going to do it this time. I'm going to let go of this sin and I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to read my Bible every day. I'm going to do all this stuff. And that lasts for about two weeks and then they fall into shame and guilt. Oh, I just can't pull it off. Lord, I've shamed you again. And they end up back, kind of back in the same circle. Uh, can I tell you, that's, that's uh, really, really common in the church, and, uh, and probably most of you have gone through that cycle. Actually, we see that same cycle in the uh, Old Testament in the book of Judges with the, uh, with the Israelites. So it's common to people. Don't feel bad. If that's you, that's common. It's very common. Uh, there's a problem with it, and here's what I want to, th- this is what I want to help with today. I, I pray, Lord, give us, give us understanding of, of your word and, and how this is all supposed to look. But... Um, I want you to get out of that cycle because that's not the cycle we're supposed to be in. We need to come out of that and we need to realize that is that when we follow that cycle, we're, we're kind of falling back on the old covenant and we don't really want any part of that because, well, what Paul wrote to the Galatians was anyone who's under the law is under a curse. We don't want to be under a curse. We want to be under freedom uh, and under the spirit. Okay, that's a little too broad-based. Let's, uh, let's go into some to some detail here. Here's the deal. The old covenant was given through Moses, of course. Moses was the mediator. He was the one that was between God and man, and he gave the the Israelites the old covenant, right? And the old covenant, the Old Testament, the old covenant, uh, if I can use the word somewhat interchangeably, not entirely, the old covenant was built on a promise of God that he would do certain things and the people of Israel would do certain things. Now, there was a problem with the Old Testament, I'm sorry, with the old covenant because it wasn't accompanied with something really, really important. People couldn't be transformed under the Old Covenant. All right? In other words, let me put it to you this way. God would, would uphold his part of the Old covenant, covenant, but people were incapable. Right? Okay. So God gave people all of his laws, and people couldn't fulfill their end. Right? And it didn't matter what they did, they always fell into sin, they always blew it over and over and over, every generation of Israelites, they all blew it, every one of them, 
they couldn't keep up with God's laws. They couldn't do it. They couldn't be that good and that disciplined, and none of them could get it done, right? And so the old covenant was flawed, right? It was inadequate. It wasn't, and it was meant to be, of course, God had this all planned out, smart as he is, had it all planned out. It was to be temporary, and it was to point us to a new covenant when he would say there's something better is coming. Yeah, okay, we got to get going here. Um, it was temporary, it was inadequate, it was imperfect, and so it wasn't obeyed. The people didn't obey it well, and, they, and it didn't bring life to them. Actually, it brought God's judgment, and, and it brought condemnation on them. It was written, of course, on, on, uh, on stone. It wasn't written uh, with the Spirit on the heart, and so God promised a new covenant, one that was going to be better and more glorious than the first one. In Jeremiah chapter 31, this is the part where I was reading just during the announcements where God is talking about the restoration of Israel, that he's got plans. I've got plans to do something different. This old covenant's going to pass away because it was temporary and imperfect, but there's a new covenant coming, he says. Uh, and he says in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31, he says, The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out to Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. All right, now we're going to see some differences. This is, this is where something's radically different in this covenant than the old covenant. He says this, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. Where was the old covenant law? Written on stone tablets, it says, right, in other parts of the, of, of the writings of Jeremiah. And he says, I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. When did this happen? At Calvary, right? At Calvary, when, when Jesus Christ laid down his life and become, became the, uh, the, the, the curse, really, is what, uh, what Paul would write to the Galatians, became the curse for us so that that curse of, of following the law and being under the law and the curse of sin would be all put on him. But uh, that's not the, the point that I'm trying to make today. Here's the deal is that this new covenant came with the ability to change people. This new covenant came with the ability to change people. God would write his law not on tablets of stone, but in their minds and in their hearts, and they would be transformed and transformed forever. Yeah? It's an amazing, amazing promise. I, I can't imagine being the prophet Jeremiah and thinking, man, I don't know how you're going to pull this off. You know, how are you going to change people, like, right, from where we have read in chapter 32, verse 40, 40, 42, something like that, where he says, and, the, and they, will, they will not forsake me. They will not turn away from me. How are you going to do that with people that are so very fickle, right? Um, I don't know about you, but there's, there's times in my life where, where I have looked at my spiritual walk or I've looked at my maturity and thinking, man, I, I am just barely holding on. I, I, I don't, at any time, I could, I could tilt off the, you know, fall off the, the roof here and, 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 and no longer be walking with God. I, you know, you just feel like your faith may be just that uh, fragile, you know? But here he says something crazy like this. He says, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God. There will be my people, uh, and they will know me, and all this stuff. It's, it's really incredible stuff. The, here, but here's the deal. The old, old covenant was inadequate and temporary, but the new covenant was effective. It was to be effective and was to be permanent. Um, uh, and uh, 
we, you know, we need to, Jason, I'm going to skip to the very bottom of this, uh, of that page. Um, the problem for us as Christians, though, is that, that, is that we, th- we think that we mature as believers by following laws really similarly to the Old Testament, right? If I talk to you, if I ask you, how do you mature as a Christian, you're going to say things like, well, I get, you know, you're, a bunch of us grew up good Baptists, right? Well, I got to read my Bible every day, and I got to pray, and of course, we're good evangelicals, right? And so I got to share my faith. That's how I grow in the maturity, as a maturity, in maturity as a believer, right? Isn't that what we always say? I mean, you know, if you're in a Baptist church and you mention those three things, that's pretty much the answer for pretty much any question, isn't it? Well, we've got to pray, and I've got to read my Bible, and I've got to share my faith. And once I do all those things, then, yeah, I'll be maturing. Well, let me ask you, if you do that for a lifetime, how's it working for you? Let me guess, you haven't been able to keep up, have you? God promised a change in people. He said, it's not going to be external anymore. My law won't be external. It's going to be internal. There will be an inner change in people inside them, and I will write my law. In other words, the things that I want them to do is going to be written inside of them, and they're going to know me. They're going to know my law. They're going to know what I want because I'm going to do it inside them, and they'll be changed forever. Yeah? The problem with this is that, you know, uh, um, there's some things that, that people say that I hear that uh, it creates kind of a grating on me. When I hear th- people say things like, well, you know, you just need to do these things. You just need to be a better Christian. You need to be a better person. You just need to, you know, you've got to read your Bible. You've got to be in there. Those are not bad things. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to explain all that in just a moment. But those are not bad things. But, but can I tell you, if it comes down to this, is that, well, yeah, good Christians do this, good people do this, and bad people do these things, and they try to shame you into doing the right thing right? Listen, that's Old Covenant. True? Old Covenant was built on do these things and not those things. You want to be a a, a good Israelite? You want to be a good Jew? You do these things and you don't do these things as written there in the law. Under the New Testament, under the New Covenant, it all changed. Everything changed. I'm going to tell you here in just a moment how, but... um, but yeah, and, and so here's the problem, is that you and I fall into that old covenant trap where we get to sit thinking that our maturity comes by discipline. Our maturity comes by, well, I've got to be in my Bible, I've got to be in prayer, and I've got to be sharing my faith. And can I tell you what happens to you when you do that? When that's your mindset, you get up in the morning, and you force yourself to have a quiet time, and you go do it, and you get it done, and you feel better about yourself. Listen to me. Whether or not you've actually connected with God, you get up and you feel good about it because it's something that you think you ought to do. And can I tell you, that is the problem. When you're doing something because you know that you ought, you're missing the relationship and the connection that there's supposed to be between us and God. The relationship that was opened by the door that is Jesus Christ to open up and connect us with God. And listen, if you're approaching your life, your whole Christian walk, and listen, there may be some of you that this is the entire experience of your Christian walk today, is that you do things because you ought to And if you don't do them, you feel ashamed or inadequate. You're living under the old covenant. And Jesus would say, through the apostle Paul, I gave you a covenant 
by my spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? There is freedom. We don't walk under ought to's and don't do's. We walk in freedom of relationship with our God and our Father. Amen? I know, you know, not long ago this had all sounded like blasphemy. You can't tell people they don't need to be doing stuff, right? They'll be lazy. They'll wander off. You won't get anything done in the church. No one will be reading their Bibles. There won't be any evangelism done. You can't be preaching this kind of, uh, of, of relationship. Can I tell you, if you're not, then what are you preaching? You're, you're teaching people to follow the old covenant. And the problem with the old covenant is no one was ever changed. There was never a change of heart, and people couldn't fulfill the ought-tos and the don't-dos. They couldn't get it done. And Paul would write to the Galatians, what? Oh, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Now that you've started with the, with the Spirit, why would you continue in? Uh, I can't remember how that goes. I should have looked that up a little better this morning. One moment, please. Some elevator music, please. Galatians chapter 3, after beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal? He's talking about sanctification here, the same thing I am. Are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Okay, i got to get to the crux of this because uh, we're, we're running out of time. Uh, but let me, let me tell you, if you're walking in that way, that you're looking at your life as, I need to get up and I need to do my quiet time, let me tell you, here's how you're looking at your quiet time. I get down, I read, and I, 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 get, I read, I say a prayers about the things. What do you pray about? You pray about the things that you ought to pray about, right, which is asking for stuff for other people, asking for healing, asking for the, those are not good things. But let me tell you, the effect is, is that you never connect with God that way. You get up from your quiet time, you check the box, and you feel good about it for the rest of the day. Listen, whether or not you actually connected with God. All the differences in your motivation, right? Uh, are you following me? This is so important. I, 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 you know, when I started this series, this is the sermon that I was more excited to preach than any of the others. This is so important for a spiritual walk. If your whole mindset of Christianity is based on duty, you're walking in the old covenant. No one successfully walked in the Old Covenant. And they went from, from feeling really good because of repentance to failing and feeling really miserable to God healing them and bringing that, them back up to a place of, of connection or repentance. And then they failed because they went back to duty and law over and over and over again. Is that you this morning? Is that where you've been? Is that you've gone from a mountaintop experience to failure, a mountaintop experience to failure, and mountaintop experience to failure? then you are trying to effort Christianity, and it won't work like that. That's old covenant. What do we have instead? We're under a new covenant, thank God. And listen, this covenant came with something that the old covenant didn't come with. This covenant comes with the ability to change you, just like the song we sang, from the inside out. To be changed forever from the inside out. And I'll tell you just a moment how that works. Um, uh, how, so how are we changed, right? That, that's a question. Okay, David, you're telling me that effort and, and reading my Bible and all this stuff, that's not how we actually are changed. That's not how actually we mature in, as, as Christians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul wrote this incredibly beautiful, wonderful metaphor, one of my favorite parts of Scripture. I know I say that every week, but I just have a lot of favorite parts of Scripture. He wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 um, about the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. If you have your Bibles, turn there for me, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, this is important for you to see. 
And what he's doing, I'm not going to read that whole passage to you because of time constraints here. I apologize. Go back and read it, though, tonight. Boy, read it for the next week or two. It will, it's, a, it's a lot to absorb. But basically, he's making a parallel between Exodus chapter 34 and the new covenant, the new ministry that Paul's carrying out. Okay, and here's the crux of it. You remember Moses goes up on Mount Sinai, and he comes down with the tablets. He comes back with the, with the, with the stones. And after meeting with God for a time, and he comes back down, what's happening to his face? What happens to his face? It's, yeah, radiant. He's, he's shining. The glory of God is reflected on the face of Moses. What happens with Moses' face over a period of time? Radiance fades. Paul says the old covenant is fading. He says it was glorious. It, it was glorious, but it's not as glorious as the new covenant, and it's fading. And he makes this comparison. He says, like the old covenant is fading, a new covenant has come, and it's even more glorious. And he says, but not like Moses, we're not going to, Moses veiled his face, remember, because he was, for some reason, it bothered him that the, that the glory was going away. I don't know if he was embarrassed or I don't know, it doesn't really say. But he covered his, he veiled his face so that people couldn't see that the glory of God was fading. Remember from Exodus chapter 34? Read, you you want to read Exodus chapter 34 and, and 2 Corinthians chapter 3 sometime this week, maybe today. Um, and then he says, but, but we have a new covenant, and it is, it is ever increasing in glory. It is, it is so incredibly more glorious than the first covenant, which is fading and going away. But there's this new covenant, and he says uh, in, uh, it, by the way, in verse 17, this is where it says, now the, where the Spirit of the Lord is, uh, there is freedom. We should all yell it, but that's okay. Uh, all right. In verse 18, he says this, and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being what? You're being what? That wasn't possible under the Old Covenant. It wasn't possible under ought-tos and don't-dos. It is only possible through the New Covenant. You are being transformed into what? Here we go. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness, with ever-increasing glory. Folks, this is very poetic and beautiful language for spiritual maturity right here. This is sanctification. This is growth as a Christian. You can call it a lot of different titles. But here's the, the, the beautiful language that Paul uses as he's led, uh, led along by the Holy Spirit. We who with unveiled uh, faces all reflect the Lord's glory ever are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit? Okay. All right. Now, here's, here we go. Here's the, here's the answer to the riddle. How are we transformed? Let me tell you, this word reflect, this word reflect can mean a couple of different things. It's kind of interesting. Uh, the word reflect can also mean, if you've got the NIV, there's a footnote there. It's, it can also mean, the, the word can also be translated contemplate. We reflect or contemplate the glory of Christ. I tell you, another translation could be behold. We contemplate or we behold the glory of Christ. And as we do that, we are transformed. You get it? If you reflect on the glory of Jesus Christ, it will change you. It's that powerful. His glory and his majesty and the price that he paid on the cross has the power to change a man and a woman forever. Reflect. Okay, now let me tell you, here's the difference. I ought 
to have a quiet time, okay? I, I, I go in with the mindset with the old covenant, and I think I ought to have a quiet time. And so I sit down in the morning, and I open my Bible, and I get through whatever I have to read that day. Maybe it's a chapter or three chapters, or maybe you're going through a devotional. None of those are bad things, but listen to what I'm saying. And so you read because you ought to, and you feel guilty if you don't do, right? But you sit down, and you read through your devotional for the day, and you pray for the things that you ought to. And so you're asking for things for other people because those are the things that you ought to pray for. And then you get up, you close your Bible, and you check it off, and you say, I've done it. I can feel good about myself today. Old covenant. That is old covenant. That is law. That is doing the things I ought to and not doing the things I shouldn't. Can I tell you this? Here's the difference. Are you ready? The difference is this. When you sit down with your devotional or you sit down with your Bible or you sit down in prayer, you don't do this because you ought to, but because it's a privilege to be in the presence of my Savior. Amen? It is a pleasure because he's now opened a door that I can connect with God that was not possible in the old covenant because of my problem was sin. But now my sin has been put away because of the cross of Jesus Christ and his suffering, and now I can reflect on the glory of God. I want you to think about this. I want you to think, this is the motivation for all of the things in the scriptures that Paul writes about the things and the ways that Christians ought to act. He would say, he would write to the Corinthians, he would say, I want to take up an offering. I want you to be generous. And what does he say about the motivation? Because Jesus Christ, though he had everything, he left it all for you. Because of his generosity, you be generous. He is our motivation. Reflect on his generosity. Reflect on that, and you'll be changed, and you'll become a generous person. Okay, you got that? He talks about this. He talks about another application of this. He says, men, love your wives, and he tells them how to love them. He says, love them sacrificially, just like Jesus Christ. He is to be your motivation. It, when you reflect on how he loved the church, you ought to change your heart and say, I should be able to love my wife that way because my God has loved me like that. Right? But that's not all. He, he would say other things. When he tells people to submit to authorities, he says, you submit to authorities because, and you serve each other because Jesus Christ, though he, was, uh, though he was, was in heaven with God, he gave it all away so that he might become a servant among men. Listen to me. This is the motivation for all of the things that we're supposed to be like and do in all of the scriptures. The motivation, the reason behind it all is because of Jesus Christ. Not because of what we ought to, but when we reflect on what he's done, we walk away changed. I reflect on the generosity of Christ, and it makes me want to be more generous. Well, actually, you know the first thing it does? It makes me realize how lack in generosity I am. And then I pray to God and say, Lord, change me. Use your spirit to work on my life, and you bring about more generosity. And then I reflect on how very sacrificially Jesus loved the church and gave his whole self over for it. And I, and, and I look at the, the way that I love my wife, and I say, Lord, I am inadequate. I don't love her enough. I can't, I can't love her enough. I don't have enough to be able to pull it off. I need you to come in, and you change me. But that's the beginning of transformation and change. And it's not a bunch of ought to's. It's a bunch of this. It's a bunch of because of Jesus Christ in light of the cross, I want to be changed and I want to be different. And Lord God, you're going to have to do it in me. Do you see the difference? It's instead of this, instead of your quiet time being a checkbox, your quiet time becomes a time of, of praise and honor and worship of our God. And can I tell you, that is when 
you are transformed and changed when you are in the presence of your Lord and Savior. Amen? It's not ought to's. It's a want to. Right? Now, I've had a change in my desire, and now it's not that, you know, I'm in my relationship with my wife, and I just want to get whatever out of her that I want or I need or whatever, and uh, it's because, well, now I want to love her like Jesus Christ loves her, and I'm not capable of that, but Jesus Christ can change me, and with ever-increasing glory, I can reflect and be a little more like him. This is so important. Can I jump up and down? Can I set my hair on fire for you? Do you get this? Do you understand this? This is the crux of Christianity. And, and I tell you, we get it confused in the church every day. Someone is caught up in the old covenant. And I'm telling you, the scripture says in Galatians that if you are under the law, you're under a curse. Come out from that. It's not ought to's and don't do's. It's all about you and I coming into relationship with our Savior and say, Lord, show me your glory. Let me see it. Let me experience it because it will change me forever. You need some time to think? You need some time to ponder all that? Um, I need to close, don't I? Um, uh, in John chapter 5, verse 5, Jesus said this, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do... Okay, here we go. If you're in your quiet time, if you're reading your Bible and you're reading your scriptures, but there's no interchange, there's no connection with God, and you get up and go away from that place, there will be no fruit. I can assure you. If, however, when you approach your quiet time and you do it not as a checklist but as a privilege to say, I want to see the glory of my God, I want to reflect on his greatness and his glory, and you get up from that place and say, Lord, I see your great sacrifice. I see your great love, and I know that I need to be more like you. Would you help me to be more like you? Listen, there is all the difference in the world. That is old covenant and new covenant. Do you see what I'm saying? Are you following me? This is so important for you and I to get. It is about relationship. It is about relating to God. And it's not just you and I sitting there checking off, I prayed, I read my Bible, and I'm going to try to share my faith today. It is about relating to your God and your creator. Amen? Here's how I'd like to close is, is like this. Would you, in your quiet time, would you do these things? Here's what I've, we've titled the sermon today is Reflect and Remain. Would you reflect on the glory of God? Would you slow down for crying out loud in your quiet time and you enjoy his presence and you enjoy seeing his glory and his love and his majesty? And if you'll do that, you'll begin to see and you'll begin to be changed because you'll begin to see how very, you know, it happens in all the scripture all the time. Someone came into an encounter of God and they felt terribly inadequate. You know why? Because we're terribly inadequate. But when they, walk up, when they get up from that place of, of, of posture on their face before God, they wake up and they're changed, or they get up and they're changed forever because they see the great glory and majesty and love of Christ. And when we see that, it begins to take hold in our lives, and we begin to see, say, Lord, would you, like Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians, uh, would you make me more like him?
It's not a checkbox. It's a privilege to be in the presence of God. Amen? Amen. Would you approach it like that this week? Would you remember? Would you slow down? And would you reflect on him? And would you remain there? Would you remain there with him? Amen. All right, let's do that. Let's pray together. We've got to get out of here. You guys got a lot of reflecting and remaining to do today. It's, it's, it's the Sabbath kind of sort of, isn't it? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your greatness and your, your goodness, Father. And we thank you. You have set us free from the old covenant. We are no longer under uh, ought to's and don't do's. You've given us something much, much better. You've given us through, through Jesus Christ and through his death and, and, and resurrection, uh, Father, you've given us the ability, uh, or, 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 uh, the ability of your Holy Spirit to write on our hearts what you want from us in, in our hearts. And, and, and what you want for us is to look more and more like your son, Jesus Christ. And, and in this new covenant, you've made a promise. You've determined and, you, and you've guaranteed it by the work of Jesus Christ that we would be transformed when we reflect his glory. Uh, it's almost too much to take in, Lord God, but we just get, we'll just trust you. We just believe you when you say it. So, Father, I pray this week, don't let us look at our relationship with you as something that we ought to do because then we'll approach it like it's a checklist that we can feel good when we're done, whether or not we actually connect with you. But, Lord, instead, let us, let us slow down. Let us reflect on you and let us remain there for a while and reflect on your goodness and your glory. And let us stay there and let us help us to slow down and let us lead us into that place, Lord, that we may just worship you uh, that we may love you, Lord, that our, our affections for you would be greater than when we get up. And, Lord, forever transform us and change us. Make us more like the image of your son, Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' great name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for being here. I'm sorry I kept you late. Thank profusely our children's workers. If, you're, if you've got kids back there, thank you very much.